0: Princeton professor Carlos Baker, graduate class of 1940, was Ernest Hemingway's official biographer, but he never met the Nobel Prize winning novelist. In 1955 though, he played a role in bringing four eager students from the class of 1957 to Hemingway's doorstep in Cuba on what has to rank among the most ambitious spring break trips in history. Jack Goodman and John Milton, two of the four, recalled the story in an interview at reunions last month. Here's Goodman explaining how it all began.
1: We were taking a modern American literature course mm-hmm. and uh, rolled around the spring vacation and several of us, to be exact four, Bill Tangy, uh, Johnny Milton, myself, and Alan Graber uh, were sort of all working on the prints, but we didn't have anything really to do with spring vacation. And then we learned that Ernest Hemingway spent time in Key West and a lot of guys used to drive down to, at that time it was Fort Lauderdale. I went to Carlos and asked him if he'd write me a letter of introduction to Hemingway because I wanted to go meet him. and I had some other Princetonians who wanted to go. And Carlos said sure. So he wrote a nice introduction and I had a letter. Took it with us, went down to Key West and when we got there, we were told, no, no, he's not here, he's in Cuba.
0: The whole plan was a long shot, Milton says.
2: Carlos never expected we were gonna get to see him. He figured that the impediments of Girls on the beach in Port Lauderdale, uh, flying over there, getting through, and we didn't speak any Spanish, and getting through the whole um, mosh to, to, to arrive there. He didn't think any. I think he probably figured that Mary would screen us out.
0: Mary was Hemingway's wife, and eventually she was the one who ushered the boys away. But that's jumping ahead. First, the students had to make their way to Cuba. The plane tickets were an unexpected expense, but they managed to pool together enough money to pay for the short flight, partly by forgoing a hotel room and sleeping on the beach in Key West.
1: So we landed uh, in Havana that, that morning and uh, hitchhiked
2: and bust up into a town called San Francisco de Paula. There was a driveway that went from the town up to the Hemingway's, to his house, and uh, there was a fruit truck that was coming to deliver fruits and vegetables, and we glommed onto that and hitched that one uh, up so we got up to where the, near the front door. A servant came to the door in a white jacket, and
1: sounding like uh, a very official person, I pulled out this letter on Princeton stationery and said, uh, "I have a personal message for." Uh, Ernest Hemingway. This is this his home? And the response was, uh, Renee, who the hell is it? <laughs> from Hemingway.
0: Hemingway did not take kindly to morning visitors. That was his time for writing, a detail the boys hadn't realized. The writer also was still recovering from a pair of airplane crashes in Africa the year before. He hadn't been healthy enough to travel to Sweden to accept the Nobel Prize for Literature just four months earlier. And
1: when we walked in, he was on the right, uh, and he had a typewriter sitting on a mantelpiece, because he couldn't sit down and write, So he was writing, standing up, typing with his typewriter.
0: The boys were led down to the pool to wait.
2: While we were there, which was about close to five hours sitting and beer would come uh, it was cerveza at the way which is still sold in Cuba they still make it down there and then a cart came with the makings of something more serious which was for him when he came down and uh, you know I I think we had quite a bit of gin along with the beer and and then he, we kind of interviewed him, but he just—it was more or less of a monologue. We all of us had a, a paper due when we got back, and all yes. of us figured,
1: boy, oh boy, this is gonna, this is gonna make writing it a lot easier. The first question uh, someone asked was, "What do you make of Faulkner?" And I remember his reply quite clearly was, uh, "Well, when he's good." He's very, very good. <laughs> Dead silence.
2: <laughs> leaving it up to us to finish the the, the, the the statement. He was huge uh, for me. I I was uh, I was very I was short. I was still growing. Uh, so I was sort of a short, nerdy kid, and uh, and I saw this giant man, and with his you know a fairly robust body big arms shoulders and the beard which had turned grey by that time and then the wound on the head which turned out to be one of several that he got uh, knocks on the head that he got over the years it, it, it
1: squared my, my what I expected to see nothing surprised me except one thing he had a very high-pitched voice that you didn't expect to go with this Huge, robust body,
2: barrel chest, and uh,
1: there are very few recordings of him. It's, uh, you never have a chance to listen to them, they're very thin and tinny. That's good. I
0: never, yeah, but that's, here he's right. You can get some sense of Hemingway's voice from the final lines of the speech that he'd prepared for the Nobel Prize banquet.
1: I have spoken too long for a writer. A writer should write what he has to say and not speak it. But the more interesting thing was that he wasn't at all uh, disinterested in talking about literature. Carlos was trying to explain to us about symbolism and literature at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had used a number of Hemingway examples. So I just blurted out. Do you put a lot of deliberate symbols in your, your, your uh, novels? he said, symbols, symbols. Oh, symbols are every place, he said. They just sort of naturally occur, he said. He picked up a carrot, which was shaped like a phallus, he says, this is a great symbol, <laughs> and waved it at us. And
2: uh, it went on from there. Do you remember some of that? I do things? remember one thing, and, and one of us had was still conscious enough to be able to ask, about writing and did he have any advice for us as young aspiring writers and what I remembered and it's ingrained in my brain uh, he said if you're a writer you write when you wake up in the morning no matter how much you had to drink the night before no matter whose bed you climbed out of you write if you don't you're not a writer
0: Before our interview, Goodman conferred with Alan Graber, also class of 57, who wrote his recollections of the trip.
1: It's amazing how close we are on most things, but on some things we differ completely. He has us frolicking in the pool and and none of us remember And we didn't. But there was a story about the fourth one. Tangy. Bill Tangy uh, falling into the pool and Hemingway diving in and saving his life. And that went around the campus like wildfire, and that was not true either, as far as I can remember.
0: Hemingway did give the boys some relationship advice.
1: As we were drinking, he said, this stuff is great stuff, he said, have some more, He said, but just one piece of advice, never write your girlfriend at night or when you're drunk and that turned out to be good advice to follow oh, yes <laughs> all the way up to our 60th which period. we may or may not have fallen when, when he was in the room you knew it he owned it yeah and this was a guy who just had a presence like nobody i'd ever met before or probably since
0: the visit was memorable but relatively brief. Mary Hemingway sent the boys back to town when it was time for the afternoon meal to be served. What
1: we did after that was we went down this dusty road down to the bar with the chicken scratching in the, in the dirt and said, we gotta write notes, we gotta write our notes, because we didn't take any notes while we were talking. But we were all p- pretty blind drunk too at the same time, so everybody was writing
2: notes, nobody could read his notes <laughs> <laughs> and then we got back we got sober at got the prince's office which was over on university place we, we had to put these all these notes together and try to figure, make a story out of it which we did you know which was turned
0: out to be pretty cogent readable the first ran april 12 1955 with a picture on the front page a follow up focused on hemingway's comments about writing and literature was published two days later. Before people had
2: iPhones, people actually read things like The Prince and The New York Times. And, uh, and and so this comes out. This is front page, Daily Princetonian. So everybody on campus read it, I think, you know? And, and
1: uh That John Milton, <laughs> who was just a face in the crowd, suddenly became
2: somebody people would point to. Oh, you know? well, yeah. He's- We really did become well known about that and people would ask us questions. I think we probably, the stories we, we spun from there were probably exaggerated.
0: But the story is still worth telling 62 years later. And Goodman is thankful for the place and the person who made it possible. It's
1: universities like Princeton that have professors like Carlos Baker that serendipitously make something like this possible for venturesome or uh, at least Eager Young writers and reporters.
0: A coda from Hemingway himself. In Baker's 1969 biography of Hemingway, the author's notes mention a letter he received from Hemingway in May 1955. In it, Hemingway gave the professor a mild uprating for sending his students to visit. But he went on to say, quote, I didn't mind seeing those kids at all. They were cheerful and pleasant. I wish it had been possible to have told them a convenient time to have seen them. Our thanks to Jack Goodman, and John Milton for sharing their story. Brett Tomlinson produced this episode. The music is licensed from First Music.